Hey hackers, I have the greatest episode for you this week, but first I'm going to let you know that this episode is sponsored by .tech, a leading new domain extension for the tech industry with over 300,000 domains. So visit get.tech for more information. And don't forget that we are running startups of the year. So go to startups.hackernoon.com to vote for your favorite startup. On to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Hacker Noon Podcast. I am your host, Amy Tom, and today I am here with a very special guest, Dora Woro, and she is a software engineer at Microsoft and also a published author, a tech content creator, and a community leader, so she knows all about how to build a community and relying on your community to help you to succeed. So I am very excited to have Adora on the podcast today because she is nominated for a few Noonies Awards, which we will get into. The first one is Developer Defying Patriarchy While Still Being an Awesome Developer and Contributor of the Year for the Books category. So welcome to the podcast, Adora. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) The first question that I have is if you could just tell us a little bit more about your role at Microsoft, that would be great. Okay. So in my job at Microsoft, I build mixed reality on the cloud, essentially. So I build cloud services that relate to mixed reality. If you've ever used Instagram filters or Snapchat filters, or if you are in the US or in Europe and you've used IKEA, the IKEA app, then you've had then you've had an AR experience and you've had a mixed reality experience essentially. So I'm not one of those people that build those experiences on the apps on the phones, but I build platforms and tools that allow other developers build those kinds of experiences. So that's what I do. Ooh, okay. So I have some questions for you then about getting into the industry that you're in, especially because you're from Nigeria. So that is new to me and I've never been to Africa. So what is the tech industry like in Nigeria? I think you should come visit and see for yourself. I Uh, really want to. (laughs) You should, definitely. But I'd say that the tech industry in Nigeria is a very is one filled with so many passionate developers, a lot of young people that want to help each other grow and that want to contribute to its growth as well and that want to learn together. And seeing this trend recently of the rest of the world acknowledging the fact that there is a lot of tech talent here and even trying to steal some of that talent away from here. So I think that it's a no-brainer that Nigeria has like really good developers. And we've also seen a bunch of communities start from here. We have Shikode Africa, which started from here, but it's supposed to be like for the whole of Africa, but it's for female developers in this region. And we're trying to push that as, as far as we can. There's the open source community as well. There's on Stack, there are all the GDG chapters. There's for loop as well. And there are many other different communities. And from like these community events, the interactions like on social media, you can just see that 
Nigerian tech basically is all about helping, is advocating for tech, which is like the thing, and is all about helping more people come into tech and grow in their tech career, which I think is something that is pretty amazing if you ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super cool. And you know, I didn't, is, does Microsoft have an office in Lagos? Yeah, Microsoft has an office in Lagos and that's where I work. Okay, yeah, so I didn't even really realize, I didn't even really realize that Microsoft had an office there. And so that is already like saying something I feel about like the tech hubbiness of Nigeria. Something, just a little antidote, side note. Today, when I'm in Berlin right now, doing a little work abroad in Europe. And so I went to a Microsoft cafe today in Berlin which was really cool. It was like, I didn't know that Microsoft even had an office in Berlin either, but they had a full-on cafe in there where like everybody was working and there was like coffee and like tea and all kinds of like snacks and stuff, which was super cool. What what are some other maybe like big name tech organizations that have offices in Nigeria that we might recognize? Facebook has an engineering office here in Lagos as well now Meta anyway Meta has an engineering office here in Lagos Mm. and before that they had some kind of representation in Nigeria but it wasn't for engineering they weren't hiring developers but they were doing you know community work and other stuff I know that they are currently hiring but I don't know if they've actually started operations just yet but I know that an announcement was done last year that they're going to be opening an engineering office and they're going to be hiring software engineers here. Mm. But I don't know if they've actually launched that office, but I know that it's either in the works or it has happened because I've been seeing a bunch of hiring ads. So I'm very sure that they're hiring. Google also has an office here. So Google does a lot of community work in this region. You would Mm. see offices like Oracle as well. I know that Ericsson is here. IBM is here and there are some other like tech companies that exist here and even apart from the big tech companies that are here that are like big names that we can call and people know about there are also startups that are coming out of this region a lot of these startups or at least some of these startups are already even unicorns, which I think is pretty amazing. So we have, which is now a unicorn. We have Paystack, which was acquired by Stripe recently. We have Mm. Andela. We have a bunch of companies in this region as well. There's a bunch of tech startups in this region as well as, you know, big tech companies. So the tech sector is actually pretty interesting. And like I said before, I'm saying it again, you should totally come visit sometime. I really want to. It sounds so exciting. Everything that you're saying is already making me like, okay, yeah, I really need to go visit. It sounds so great. So did you grow up there as well? Yes, I was born here. I've literally been here all my life. Grew up here. And it's funny how when I say here, just Lagos, because I was born in Lagos. I grew up in Lagos and I'm still in Lagos. Like I've not (laughs) visited other parts of Nigeria but like I haven't lived in other parts of Nigeria. It's it's just Lagos for me. Okay, yeah. And so I wa- what I wanted to ask you about was like to take a few steps back, going back to like when you went into school. You went, you studied computer science, right? Yeah, yeah, I studied computer science. 
in a university and, well, in Lagos. <laughs> <laughs> and what was that like? Was it like what is the mix of people like studying computer science in Nigeria? Honestly, not so great. When I was in when I like got into computer science cuz I did some kind of foundation program so I got into the university properly in my second year. So I didn't like start in my first year. I did a foundation pro- program and then in my second year was when I became like a student of the university. And I remember that even during my foundation program if they were like uh 20 guys in my class yeah i think there were about 20 guys and we were only four girls mm-hmm. during yeah, the foundation yeah that sounds accurate and then getting into <laughs> <laughs> and then getting into the university properly when i started like my second year and we got you know we got into the classroom with people that had started from like their first year and i was now like okay i'm finally in the university no longer in this foundation program so now my gp is counting i have to be serious all of that stuff like when i got into the university properly in my second year it was like the same thing so let's say we had 50 guys and maybe like 11 girls something mm-hmm. like that right oh no 60 guys because i know that we were a total of 70 something in class so let's say there like about 60 guys and like 11 girls in the class and the truth is even a bunch of these girls didn't want to study computer science they thought that coming into computer science they'll be doing a bunch of microsoft word microsoft powerpoints i don't know where they got that idea mm. from but they didn't realize that there was going to be software engineering programming data structures algor- yeah. like they didn't know any of these things and they will tell you that if they had known they wouldn't have come which yeah. which was also something you know definitely right. not as many women as i would like only a few i think out of all of us now that have studied the course and graduated if 11 of us graduated i think only about 3 to 4 of us are currently practicing what we learned in school in our careers right now others have gone to set up wow, businesses okay. you, you know I know somebody that is now like a full-time illustrator. She's not even doing she, she's not even doing any tech related thing anymore. She's fully in the creative industry as an illustrator. A lot of them have gone to start businesses, creative businesses as well, you know, going into fashion, going into makeup or whatever. So like mm-hmm. even from the classroom coming out, not so many people now in the career which makes us have all these women in tech conversations that we really have and that's why i really like what the tech scene in nigeria is doing about encouraging more women to come into that space because one of the reasons why i think that they don't come is because i believe that they don't think that they can do it yeah. but like when they see a bunch of other people doing it i believe that helps to give them that you know spirit that ginger to try and even do it in the first place. Mhm. Just to know that it's even a possibility, right? Yeah. So wh- why did you know that it was a possibility for you slash what made you interested at a young age to get into computer science? I don't know. That's probably how I was raised to do what I want. Like I do what I want regardless of what anybody 
once i just feel like the whole world would always adjust and everybody would be okay so anyone that knows me very well would yes. know that this is a phrase <laughs> i use a lot i use this phrase a lot everybody will be okay all my friends know and they've mm. accepted it for like they've accepted me for being that person that's actually um, such good advice because I think a lot of times, especially as women, we like stack up all the pressure of what's going to happen or I need to do this or be this kind of person. But to just do whatever you want and just know that you're going to be everybody else is going to be OK is like actually such good. Exactly. Yeah, everybody will be OK, really, because it's your life. So you have to take charge of your life and you have to make sure that you are happy living your life. There's something my mom would tell me, live your life not somebody else's life so even if other people don't like what you're doing that's their business essentially so far as you are doing you know that you are being true to yourself and true to your values you're fine and that's I guess my mantra for a lot of things that I do is so far as I know that I'm being true to myself and being true to my values the whole world would adjust and like I say everybody will be fine like at the end of the day right I am I am the person that like when I was younger I was, I have two elder siblings and I was always playing with them every single time. And there's the gap between my immediate elder sibling and me, uh, like six years, right? So obviously we were not mates. <laughs> Basically we were not mates. But <laughs> there was a time that my dad came home with a computer because he was t- sending them to computer school so they could learn how to use computers because they were, in quotes of eight and mm-hmm. I wasn't because I was still very much in primary school so my siblings went from playing with me every day to using their computers and then I started mm-hmm. that was the first thing so I started feeling bad about the fact that it was like they didn't have my time anymore so I went from that child that always had people to play with to that child that used to play with herself and then my parents would be like oh no don't touch that computer it's for your siblings and I'm like okay I'm going to touch it because that's yeah, what they're yeah. doing. So they're going to teach me how yeah. to use it. What do you mean so, I can't do that? Of course right, I'm going to do it. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. going to do it. Like I'm going to tell, yes. I'm going to tell them to teach me how to use it so that even if they can't play with me physically, we can start playing together on the computer. And then I yeah. say, this is how you boot a computer. You know, this is how you do this. You know, you can open this. So I got introduced to, I started building, you know, those very ugly movie screenplays. I started building them mm-hmm. with PowerPoints at such a very young age. Yeah. I was okay. creating complimentary cards with coral drawers in that time. I just found out about the internet. I was on High Five and I was on MySpace. Okay, that, yeah. <laughs> far, that far back, yes. Yeah. I guess that was where the interest for computers and computing came from. And I just decided that, you know what, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up for sure, but I know that I want to do it. I want to do something in front of computers and I want to be doing that thing every day because I really like computers. And obviously going forward in life. So it was not really a thing of, you know, the boys can do it. The girls can do it because everybody in my house was doing it, using all the computers. So I got to school and I'm still the person that would go to the computer lab and stay be on the internet all day trying to learn more things about computers and then I just I I jumped into many rabbit holes on the internet and apparently I also jumped into the programming rabbit hole so I discovered visual basic at that time and then 
I started coding as well, but I still didn't know that there was something like computer science anyway. I wanted to study math in the university and learn to code. So that was the plan initially, but I knew that I wanted to. But after speaking with my brother, because he had a friend that was getting a master's degree in MIT. So when I spoke to my, my brother, spoke to his friend in MIT, and then his friend spoke to me and made me just understand that I could just get a CS degree instead of studying mm. math and then learning to code if I wanted to code anyway, because there's small yeah. math in computer science, depending on the kind of programs I'm writing. There are some that are very heavy on math and there are some that are not. So if I really love math so much, I can go and do the programming that has like a bunch of math stuff in it. And then I said, okay, sounds like a plan. And then that was what I did. And now I'm here. So Okay, yeah. So even from a young age, you were already like reaching out and relying on a community of some sort to help you progress your career. Yeah. So even if it wasn't like, a community like what we know as communities today but guidance mm. and mentorship of some sort has always been there right. for me basically I, I never yeah. really had to do everything or anything at all by myself and I guess yeah I was lucky because I know a bunch of people don't have that and I guess that's where the communities of you know this time come in for those kinds of people Right. Yeah. Okay. So you go and you get your degree in computer science. And then what do you do after that? I get my degree in computer science while I'm getting my degree. The year before my graduation, I start to work in an agency as an intern. Uh, So I worked there. I was an intern for a year because I was supposed to be like an intern for six months because it was like a mandatory school. It was part of things that you have to do before you graduate to do like a six months internship go code come back but when I got there I'm like I don't want to leave <laughs> so when I came back to school I was doing the internship while still being a student in my final year so I spent a little bit over a year as an intern just because of that decision that I made and then I graduated from school and I went back there became like a full-time developer spent one more year there before I moved to Microsoft and then I've been in Microsoft ever since. Wow. Okay. Okay. So what kind of industry were you working in at first? Was it in tech as well? Yeah, it was in tech as well. I was a software developer in an advertising agency. So I used to, I did a lot of clients websites, you know, those kinds of like websites for clients campaigns so I was doing a bunch of stuff with HTML and CSS I didn't really like it so much because I'm never I'm not really a front-end person I guess maybe that was why I was so quick to leave (laughs) but I was doing a a bunch of stuff on the front end some back end but it was it was an advertising agency yeah so that was the industry mostly advertising and creative because they also had a creative agency that we used to partner with. So even some of the work that used to come to me was work from the creative agency. And then I'll just have to do stuff for them and then give it back to them. So it was a little bit of both. Okay. Now tell me a bit more about getting into ARVR because I know when we talk about defying patriarchy, it in my experience, at least, it seems like the more complicated and more technological you get as you progress to your career, the more you have to defy patriarchy. So getting into ARVR, what was that like and how did you do that? It wasn't 
sometimes I want to say it was by mistake. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened was that when I was still working in the agency, I was beginning to think about my life. Okay, moving forward, what do I do? A part of me wanted to get a a master's degree and I, I wanted to get some kind of AI master's and then do maybe a six-month business course on the side or find a course that would give me AI and business or do a double major. But like, I wanted to do something where I go properly learning about AI because that was what I wanted to do. Something interesting anyway, interesting technology. I'm that kind mm-hmm. of person that cares about things like that. So I wanted to learn about AI and then also learn about finance in a way just so that you know because at the end of the day we need money in this world (laughs) so Mm -hmm. so that was that for me in that time because I I at that time a bunch of startups that existed here in Nigeria were fintech startups and I didn't really want to work in fintech as an engineer if I'm going to work Mm -hmm. as an engineer I want to work in AI or mixed reality is pretty cool. I found out about mixed reality later or do some things with, you know, quantum computing, like all these very interesting. Remember that I was telling you that initially I wanted to study math and learn to code. So it's these kinds of technology that I find interesting. And that was what I wanted to do initially. Either go get some kind of AI masters with, you know, also take a bunch of finance courses or maybe do a six-month finance course as well or even get a second master's degree. I don't know, but have that when go abroad, do the master's degree and then maybe working all these big tech companies. That was one option that I had. The And that was like the main option that I wanted to pursue in that time because looking around like a bunch of Nigerian startups were fintech startups and I didn't want to work in fintech at that time as a software engineer so I was like yeah I'm probably going to do this you know thing and then I was in that time I was very vocal about tech that I found interesting things that I liked I was already doing a bunch of community work so if you go on my LinkedIn then you would see that I cared about, you know, n- this new gen tech, you'd see that I cared about AI. Like I, in my LinkedIn description, I was very explicit about the kinds of technologies that I cared about, that I wanted to invest my time learning and building for. And like I said, I was doing a bunch of work in the community already at that time. So I got reached out to by a recruiter that Microsoft is coming to Lagos to open their Lagos office. And the first team that is coming is the mixed reality team. Yeah, so I was like, ah, which one is mixed reality? Because I know augmented reality and I know virtual reality. So they sent like a video of the HoloLens and trying on the HoloLens for the first time. And I watched this and it was very amazing to me because it really just reminded me of Tony Stark and all his superpowers. Yes, any question you ask me at this point, my answer is yes, because I want yeah. to be part of this. So I, li- I like to look at it like this. I joined the mixed reality team at Microsoft. I don't like to look at it as I joined Microsoft because I don't know if it was another team that came first 
I would have taken that opportunity. I would have probably said, this is great. I would love to come, but I want to get a master's degree first. Can we pick this up in a year? I would have probably done that at that Mm -hmm. point in my life. But because it was tech that looked interesting, I jumped at that opportunity and I'm still working on it today. And we've built amazing things. We're still building, we're building mesh and... I've worked, I've worked on a team that builds Azure Objects Anchors as well. So it's interesting and I love where this is going. And I just can't wait to see what this technology, you know, grows into and becomes in the next few. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned to Unstack Africa, right? And a, a VR, AR Nigeria. Can you tell me more about that? Because that seems really interesting too. So... Uh, the unstuck one me and his name is ayomide right ayomide we decided that hey let's just create this unstuck thing and then it was me him and a bunch of other people to be honest but we're like let's create this community for people and let's make it that the events that we do are like workshops so any event that we're having know that you're coming with your laptop and you are coming to code right so that was the goal and obviously because of you know life and some experiences we are changing and fine-tuning that goal a little bit but initially that was the goal and that was how it started so we and that's what we've been doing for vrar in nigeria there's a global vrar association and this is just the nigerian nigerian chapter and we are three people. And what we're trying to do with that in this region is just, you know, make people more enthusiastic about this immersive technology, share more about it, advocate for it, and see where it goes, essentially. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for people, especially young people, especially young women who are looking to get into these communities to help them grow their career and learn more about tech? Yeah, I would say that we have something now that we didn't have 10 years ago, which is communities that just care about your growth. That's all they're committed to. So if you're looking for a time to learn how to be a software engineer or get into tech, depend regardless of the tech field that you want to get into. Uh, now is a very great time because now you have a bunch of resources on the internet. You have a bunch of people ready to help you. You have a bunch of role models to look at and say, oh, I want to be like this person. There's that. And that did not exist a long time ago. So this is a very good time to come into tech. The other thing I would say is what I always say in my life. Do what you want to do. Everybody will be okay. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah, you're totally right. Okay, and I would like to chat a little bit about the other award, Nuni Award, that you're nominated for, which is Contributor of the Year in the Books category because you published a book recently. So uh, tell me more about that. Yeah, I published a book recently, and the book is actually a manifestation of my time at Microsoft, to be honest, because I remember when I joined, I literally thought I was joining to build the mixed reality experiences. I didn't realize that I was joining 
or rather I was I thought I was joining to build the mixed reality applications I didn't realize that I was joining to build mixed reality platforms on the cloud and there was going to be a lot of cloud engineering in my role so initially because you learn about cloud computing from the classroom you know they teach you the basic things and then that's just it so I had an idea of what cloud computing was but not very deep that I could you know be a cloud engineer essentially I guess like I just had the basic idea okay they teach you in class you write an exam you pass and then you move on to the next class that was just like what I knew and in my former job I wasn't doing anything on the cloud so I, I didn't still learn anything so getting into Microsoft I'm like wow when I hear people talk oh my goodness am I supposed to be here <laughs> so like over time I committed to learning about the cloud because I mean it was required for me to do my job and I also committed to teaching what I learned when I finally feel like I have learned enough that I can share with the world. And when I had even made that commitment initially, I didn't know that it was going to be a book. I just wanted to teach either as maybe a course or I don't know, something else. But I didn't think that I was going to write a book because when you hear that somebody is an author, you're like, ah, author. Like for you to to be an author, you have to be a big person or something. And I'm not a big person. So like, why would I write a book? So even when I was thinking about how I would teach that, authoring didn't come to my mind, essentially, until later, it just came in as a spark. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going ahead to write this book. So that was like Mm -hmm. how it happened. And the book is basically just me being transparent about a lot of things that I found confusing early in my career, all those myths and like debunking those like myths and misunderstandings and creating something that is hopefully easily digestible for people that are either early in their career or want to switch from a different career to cloud or haven't even started their career at all. Something that they can, a book that is easy that they can hold in their hand and read and just get a whole sense of, you know, what cloud computing is, like the concept of the cloud the viable cloud engineering parts and like what these parts entail how you can navigate these parts as well right one thing that you mentioned that i find interesting is that you commit to sharing your knowledge with other people and you do that also with your youtube channel adora hack what is your motivation behind doing that and why do you feel the need to share your knowledge with other people because not everybody wants to do that so the reason i actually do that is to challenge myself to speak in public because public speaking is like one of the challenges and then making YouTube videos and having people watch it is another challenge. For a very long time, I was a very shy person and that actually cost me a Google interview four years ago, I think. I I did the first interview and I I messed up at the interview, not because I didn't know what, because I was scared of even saying it. So obviously after that interview, I knew that there was no way they were going to call me back. And that was like a wake up call for me to, you know, not be shy anymore. And then I became You do what very, you want. <laughs> yeah. I became very yes. intentional about trying to not be shy anymore. So 
I got into public speaking. I was reaching out to different communities. And that was even how I got into community as well. Reaching out to different mm. communities that I wanted to speak at their next event. Obviously, I started with speaking to beginners because I felt like that was easy for me. And then I got into that. And then from there, I decided to open the YouTube channel as well to like still challenge myself, to share stuff. And to also know that obviously people are watching this thing. So you can't be a shy person or rather like this is a different way this is like speaking to multiple people in a different form that is not public speaking it's just been a way for me to get rid of my shyness essentially and that's the youtube part but the sharing part is more my writing i started writing long before i actually started a youtube channel and I was writing because I wanted to share. Writing writing was just because I wanted to share. It had nothing to do with not being shy anymore or challenging myself to speak in public. Writing was because I wanted to share. And I wanted to share because I felt like that would help me learn better. At the end of the day, you can only teach. If you're going to teach something, you have to know it. So it was a way of me committing to learning myself and in the process maybe one or two people would learn from it or maybe nobody would learn from it I don't know but at least it would be out there on the internet for someone that feels like this might be important in the next five years if it's ever important but the reason I started writing was because I wanted to enforce my like learning I wanted to be sure that what I was learning, I understood enough to teach somebody else. I could articulate it after hearing it and assimilating all that knowledge and reading all those articles and all of that. I could by myself sit down and pour it back out to either somebody or nobody, but but it would be there for anybody that needed it. So that was what that motivation, that was what motivated that so I've answered a question that you didn't ask me, which was about my shyness. But I just wanted to point out that the YouTube wasn't primarily for sharing. It was just as a way to put myself out there so that... Yes. And, you know, mission accomplished. Your confidence comes through. And I love that. Thank you very much for joining the podcast, Adora. I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. If we want to find you and what you're working on online, where... If you'd like to find me, I'm on Twitter a lot. My Twitter is Adora Modo, A-D-O-R-A-N-W-O-D-O. So you can find me there. You can also find me on YouTube, which is Adora Hack, A-D-O-R-A. H-A-C-K. I try my best to post videos as often as I can, knowing that there's a lot going on in my life right now, but I still try. And yeah, Twitter, YouTube, fastest ways to reach me. It's easier to reach me on the timeline than in my DMs. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You can go to my website as well, but if you, yeah, I think if you go to my website, you'll see other ways to reach me that I can't mention right now because maybe I can't even remember them. But if you go to my <laughs> no website, worries. which okay, is myname.com, adoramwudo.com, I think you'd see other ways that you can reach me as well. Perfect. I will put all of those links in the show notes then. And just a reminder for everybody to go to newness.tech to vote for Adora for a developer defying patriarchy while still being an awesome developer and contributor of the year in the books category. 
Thank you very much for listening. If you like this episode of the Hacker Noon Podcast, don't forget to like it, share it, subscribe it, maybe leave me a cheeky little review. I would love that. If you want to find Hacker Noon online, it's Hacker Noon on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of the socials. And as always, stay weird and I'll see you on the internet. Bye! Afternoon podcast.